Be'ezus Hashem Yisbarach. We will continue in letter 11 of the holy letters of the Balatanya, a letter which is known as Laskil Chabina, to enlighten with understanding. We are going on a deep, fascinating journey into the core of enlightenment. And we've said in the last shiur, in the last few shiurim, that there's the spark of enlightenment, which is the chokhmah, the spark, the one word that captures the whole enlightenment. And there's the explanation of that word. And then there's how I incorporate that into my life. So we have explained, if you remember very deeply, that La'askil Chabina is this whole entire letter. The whole entire letter is to enlighten with understanding. To understand that enlightenment itself is the perception that you have with your own mind. That means if a person is asleep most of his life, essentially he's not enlightened. But if for one moment in time, he could see that he's living a petty life, that he's running after nonsense, then that itself is the beginning of enlightenment. So you could only become enlightened in your mind. Once you have clarity of purpose of your life, once you're attentive, once you're in, you, you have attention to your life, you're aware that you're alive, that's the beginning of enlightenment. Then we go on and we ask, what is the enlightenment that we're talking about? And we said that the Balatanya goes on and he says a fascinating sentence. He says, Ki lo That not by this path with the light of God dwell within one by desiring the life of flesh and children and sustenance. And we've asked last year, this is a very fascinating concept. This is a very, very fascinating statement that the Balatanya is making. Because if you get the sentence that he's saying, if you understand the depth, the core of what he's saying over here, you instantly become enlightened. He is saying that not by this path will the light of God dwell in you. Not by which path? By desiring the life of the flesh and children and sustenance. By desiring these things. Why is that not the path? And if that's not the path, why would he start like this? Why cannot he tell us, you know, the path to enlightenment is so and so. Why does he have to say that not by this path, not by desiring, not by this path will the light of God dwell within you. 
And what the Alter Rebbe is giving over here is the gift of life. He's giving you the gift of consciousness, the gift of enlightenment. Most people think that they're going to sit, we're going to go through this letter, and we're going to be able to hold on to enlightenment. You're going to be able to hold on to it with your hand. But don't you see, this is the problem of life, that we want to hold on to everything. Isn't the problem of everything in life, not life itself? Do you have to do something to be alive right now? Or are you stopping yourself from living with all different types of distractions? Do I have to explain to you what is life? Do I have to do something to try to be alive? We say we want the light of God to dwell in our souls. What does that look like? What does that mean? Couldn't the Balatanya describe to you what that means? Can he really describe to you what means that your soul should be deep into your body? Can he describe it to you? We have to live life. I have to live a meaningful life. Can I really describe to you the vastness, the unbelievable infinity, non-endingness of the person's soul? Can I explain to you what that means? Can, can the Balatanya really tell us one detail, one word, one sentence, which is limited, and with that you're going to be able to be enlightened? Can the Balatanya really describe to a person what is the essence of life? Could he describe to you what does it mean for you to live? So we are explaining that there's life, there's enlightenment, there's attention, there's joy, there's awareness, there's love, and all of those things are the same thing. But can I really describe to you what those things are? Can you hold on to them for a minute? Or is the reason why you don't know what those things are? Because you're trying to constantly hold on to those things. And if I show you that if you let them go, then the opposite is automatically. The opposite is. This demands tremendous meditation. Do I need to explain to you what is life? Or is life something that's automatically flowing through your veins? And is the problem that you're attached, you're deeply rooted, you're deeply desiring something else. You're trying the whole entire time to cover up what is. But if you just become easygoing, if you just become let go, if you just be aware of what is, you'll automatically have the gift of life. And this is a tremendous, tremendous meditation. have to do something to be alive? This is the question. In order for the light of your soul to be fully awake in your body, in order for you to be connected with God, in order for you to realize the purpose of your life, do you need to do something? Or is it that you just have to stop doing what you're doing? Isn't the problem of life 
Not the description of Yishkan Hashem, of the light of my soul in my body. Isn't the problem that I'm so attached to my furniture. I'm so attached to my success. I'm so attached to my desires. I'm so attached to so many details. That all of the time I'm missing the boat of life. I'm not aware that compared to the life that I have flowing through my veins, to the life and energy and pleasure that I have from being alive, everything is incomparable. But I'm completely not aware of it because I'm attached to the life of the flesh. Where I want something in the future, something better, something that's going to give me some fulfillment, some hope of becoming something, anything. Isn't it true that in the moment that a person experiences an accident, or in the moment that a person realizes that he's about to die, isn't it true that the me, the me, which is the past, the story, the little me, that wants fulfillment in some future, that wants a compliment, the little me, isn't it true that that gets blasted, blasted to smithereens? Isn't that true? Did you ever think about this? Can you know what means life? Or do you have to face death to know what means life? There's only one way to know what means life. Life is not something somebody can explain to you. Because that's again the problem of trying to hold on to life. So when you see disease, this is something that's stopping you from being living. Any illness that's stopping, when you know an illness then you instantly know what the opposite is. Can you explain the opposite of illness? It's the illness that allows you to know what the opposite is. The opposite is undescribable. It's death, it's facing death, the last day of your life that makes you alive. It's the mere fact that you cannot explain to a person what life is. You cannot explain to a person who he is. It's the mere description that's the problem. It's the mere desire to do something with what you have. We have life. Life is the greatest gift of all. But isn't the reason why we're not alive, why we're not in tune with our purpose, why we're not in, in tune with God, why we don't realize the great gift that we have. Because all the time we're trying to do something with what is. But in the face of death, all of a person's becoming, all of a person's hopes, all of a person's aspirations, all of the person's ego, all of the person's trapped to hold on to one moment in time. All of it disappears. And he says, just give me one moment of this. Of this one thing that I had all along. So isn't the root of all suffering, the root of all pain, the root of all death, the root of all worries, the root of all problems, isn't it the fact that I'm trying to hold on to what is? And if I can see that what I'm trying to do my whole entire life is to hold on to what is, to desire something better, to either hold on to this moment or to desire something better, which is the me, which is the future and the past, which is the ego, which in the face of what is right now, there is no ego. Can you see this with your mind's eye? You might think this is very deep, but
But this doesn't matter how smart you are. This is just an awareness. Can you see it with your mind's eye that there's nothing you have to do in order to be alive? And the minute you get this for one moment, you are enlightened. And the more aware you are of this, will instantly be Nishkona Hashem. It will instantly be the beginning of enlightenment. The beginning of the light of your soul in your body. If you can see what the opposite looks like, you can never describe to somebody what means Yishkona Hashem. You can never begin to describe somebody what means that the depth of your soul should come into your body. It's indescribable. So the beginning of enlightenment is the recognition of the opposite of enlightenment. And the opposite of enlightenment is to be attached to my furniture, attached to my success, attached to my logo, attached to something my spouse is going to do for me. Where I'm trapped, which is dis-ease, which is I'm diseased. I'm not aware of what is. Which in the moment of death, meditate on this very deeply. In the moment of death, which is the opposite of life, where I know death, I know the opposite, I instantly know what it means to live. But then it's too late. Because the whole entire time I was asleep. Because I was attached. Because I was deeply rooted in what is. What I want to, deeply rooted in trapping the moment, right this second. Or hoping for a better moment. And this is a tremendous, tremendous meditation. Because the Balatanya is saying, That by desiring the life of the flesh, by desiring all these pleasures, by desiring, by having all your attachments, all your fulfillments, all your hopes, all your becomings, by that, just by having that, that is stopping you from living. If you could let that go for one minute, you will instantly have Yishkan Rasha. You want me to explain you what means the light of your soul should dwell in your body? I can't explain that to you. That's too vast. That's again ego. That's too, it's too gigantic. But I can tell you what you're doing. And you have to stop doing that and you'll instantly have the beginning of enlightenment. Now of course you won't have the full enlightenment. But you'll have the beginning of enlightenment. And we explained... That this lady, this, this, this girl, she was with her, with, with, her, with her brother. And her brother said, her brother said and did something negative that she didn't like. And she screamed at him and it was petty. And she had to live for the rest of her life with this idea that the last thing she ever said to her brother was something nonsensical. It was a lack of attention, a lack of awareness, a lack of vitality. And that caused her to be fully aware, be fully attentive her whole entire life with everything that she said to another person. Which means that in the face of life, there's no negativity. Can you see this? That when, you, when you're faced with death, all negativity is obliterated. Can you use your meditation, can you use your mind to think about this? Is there any drama in the face of life? What's drama? Drama is, wow, this thing that happened in the past. I cannot believe you did that to me in my Sheva Brachis. I cannot believe you did that to me. How could you have done this to me? In the face of what is, how are you holding on to that memory? 
in the face of what is right now, do you know how awesome what is? But the minute a person finds out he, God forbid, has cancer, the minute a person finds out he's dying, instantly those things become insignificant. So why was he attached to them all the time? A logo, a success, a future, a hope for one minute. But in the face of being about to die, none of that matters. All of that gets obliterated instantly. So there's a way of telling a person about enlightenment by telling him to fight every moment. Fight. Fight your evil inclination. Fight your ego. Fight everything you have. And then you have a life full of fighting. Or you could be a weird, you could be enlightened in one moment. And then move in and out of enlightenment. <coughs> what is the root of enlightenment? What is the root of being alive? Because if you're deeply aware that you're alive, in that face of every, in the face of being deeply aware that you're alive, You don't have no desire at all. And it's a tremendous meditation because we cannot touch, we cannot touch this. Because we are so trapped. We are so trapped. We are so attached. We are so attached to everything that is. And we've spent all this time on these Hagdamas. Going into the last day of your life, living life as if it's your last day, to try to understand the enlightenment of what the Balatanya is saying, because the enlightenment is so vast, it's so enormous, it's beyond understanding. It's something that you could only know the opposite of it. When you know the opposite, you instantly have the other. It's only when you know death, it's only when you're faced with real death. Tremendous meditation. Are we ready to do it? Is any of us ready to think now about our death? But if we would do it for one moment, we'd be fully alive. But none of us are, we're not ready to do it. We don't want to leave go of our deep desires, and our deep hopes, and our aspirations, which stop us from being alive. Which stop us from having the only gift that we have, which is the moment right now. And everything is insignificant right now. And everything is so much more significant than the future. And if it's not so much more significant than the future because I'm depressed, I'm holding on to some past, past identity of how my life should look. And that's why we went deep into this idea of marriage. Their husband and wife get married, and at the moment of their chuppah, they become one. They realize that they're one. <laughs> and then, God forbid, in the Sheva Brachas, or right after the Sheva Brachas, one of the spouses become terminally ill. And whether it's the husband or wife, they sit in the hospital room and they do 18 hours a day with tremendous amount of love. And we're talking about enlightened love. Not where he's complaining, how did this happen to me? Where his soul is pouring out and where he's crying because he can't bear to see his spouse in pain.
and the fact of what brought them together in the face of what is right now is not interesting for him or her. Because let's even say they were brought together by force. Or let's let's say they were brought together, they're not aware that they're soulmates. But they made a decision to live life together. But in the face of that pain, in the face of that relationship, in the face of what's going on right at that moment, one spouse will be fully devoted to the other spouse. And the love and the outpouring of of, of life that will come out in that hospital bedroom is unimaginable. And there will be no complaining. There will be real presence, real real seeing the moment. And in the face of what is, in the face of seeing that life could end at any moment, there will be deep understanding of the presence. There will be no reactivity. There will be no complaining. There will be no blaming. There will be no complaining to my parents. Why did you bring me into this marriage? What did you do? Because there will be, the, the marriage is a portal. It's a doorway to real love. Can you see this with your mind's eye? This is tremendously important. So the husband standing there, let's say for example, and he's giving his wife unconditional love. And he wants to take away every moment of suffering. But if he wasn't experiencing this, and all of a sudden in Sheva Brachas, they would have their first fight, and their second fight, and their tenth fight, and then they would say, this is a mistake. This whole entire marriage was a mistake. Is it really a mistake? We're in the face of the pain of terminally ill patient. We're in the face of that pain. Why would it be that you'd be fully alive? Are you attached to an idea, an image of your husband or your, your wife? Are you attached to the hopes of a fulfillment, how they're going to fulfill you? Or do you realize that marriage is an allowance of you to love? Unconditionally. If it's conditioned, if you love something about if you love your spouse the way they look, right? I get married to this beautiful... A person gets, says, I get married to this beautiful woman. And a week, few weeks later, she's sick in the hospital bedroom. Does he drop the woman? Would any normal person say in the first week, does he drop the woman? What does he really... He was not attached to the idea of this woman. He closed his eyes by his chuppah because it's the ability to love to become one with somebody. Is he going to become one through one moment of compliment that he's going to get? One moment of non-reactivity or reactivity? Or is the, this relationship a portal for love? An opportunity to give love whether she's there for him or not. So when she's sitting there in the hospital, or he's sitting here, it doesn't matter who. There's instantly love. And that in the face of that love, in the face of that life, Everything else is blasted away. All drama is blasted. There's no time for drama. Do you understand? A person who's enlightened at that moment, there's no time for drama. There's just me and you and this moment right now. But it's the, it's the being faced with death that strips us away of all of our dramas, strip, strips us away of all our fulfillments, all of our hopes, all of our becomings, all of our attachments, the desires of the flesh. For one moment in time, when this person's going to fulfill me, did you marry them for them to fulfill you? Or did you marry them what you could give them? And isn't it true that if you marry them, that you, what you could give them, the unity that will come out, 
that in the face of that unity, that unity could destroy everything destructive. And isn't it really true that it doesn't matter what that person's going to give you back in the hospital bedroom? Because it's the mere infinity of your soul that comes out of that moment. And it's the mere ability of the loss of a future, of some moment in time when I see me and my spouse on the, on, on the beach where I'm, I'm getting fulfilled somehow. Isn't it true that the me, the ego, the fulfillment, isn't that true that that's what's stopping us from living? So the Alter Rebbe is saying over here this beautiful poetic language that this is not the path where light will dwell in you, of your God. Light of, of the Abishter, light of your soul will dwell within you by desiring the flesh, by desiring, by having all these hopes and aspirations. It's the mere hopes and aspirations that if you could drop them for one moment, if you could drop being attached to your furniture, attached to your success, the temporary success that you're going to have, the temporary fulfillment you're going to get from your spouse, if you could drop that for one moment, you instantly become enlightened. You instantly become alive. You don't have to do something for it. It's the mere trying to do something. It's trying to be enlightened that stops you from being enlightened. Enlightened is automatic. It's trying to live. You're trying to live. No, no, no. If you're trying to live, you lost life. You're unconscious. You're asleep. So he could only tell you what's not the path. He could only tell you to go deep into death and then you'll know what means life. Because if you don't do that, you'll be asleep. You'll be attached. You'll be rooted in your attachment. Rooted in your desires. So the essence of Yishkun Hashem is something that's indescribable. First, you have to know what's not the Yishkun Hashem. Yishkun Hashem is not your desires, not your attachments, not your hopes that your spouse is going to make you, not your hopes what, your, what somebody's going to give you, not the hopes of what this life is going to give you, what, not the, this tremendous one moment of pleasure. Because if you run after that, you'll be missing out on life. And life is indescribable. In the face of life, all of that is insignificant. And if you want to know about that, you want to get, if you want to obliterate all that, imagine what death means, just for one moment. Go deep into it for one moment. And you'll see how enlightened you become. You'll see how, the energy, you'll see how that's indescribable. That's not something I can tell you. I can tell you what's not the path, and then you'll all instantly know what the path is. And this is a tremendous meditation because this is the beginning of enlightenment. It's not the full enlightenment. Because the full enlightenment is not something you could hold on to. It's something that's continuous. It's something you have to do nothing for. You just have to drop all the other things that are the opposite of enlightenment, the opposite of life. Which is so hard to do because we're so attached and we think we're getting so much fulfillment from all of those things. Desiring some type of nachas, some type of moment in time when my child will look exactly the way I will, my spouse will look exactly that way. All the long missing out opportunity for what you have to give to this world, which is love, which is life, which is joy. For one moment of pleasure, which is a trapped form of of, 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 of life, which is a disease, dis-ease, which stops you from what is. And in the face of real life, there's no anxiety, there's no nervousness, there's no hopes. You're fully alive. And the moment that a person is about to die, all of his anxiety dies. All of his, all of his hopes of becoming dies. His soul becomes so deep into his body that he's fully aligned with the Abishur. He's fully aligned with his purpose of his life. And that's the beginning of enlightenment. And we're going to go deeper into what the Balatanya says to understand how we can make this enlightenment real in our life. But the first job is to know what means the enlightenment. Then we could go deeper into it and understand how not to suffer, how not to be attached, how not to have all of these things, how not to become dramatic from pain. And how to allow pain to be a portal to, to identify my consciousness, to identify my neshama, to be one with God, to see the purpose of my life, and not to squander life and love and, and, and vitality 
on, on insignificant things. And that is the essence of Yishkan HaRashem.